Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Gay With God podcast, a safe place for us to share our stories and support one another. How long did we know? What challenges did we face? Did we lose our faith? When did we find our way back home? Or are we still searching? The stories you hear on this podcast will melt your heart and strengthen your belief that in God, all things are possible and you can be authentically gay with the God of your understanding. I'm your host, Midge Noble, and I am very honored that you are here. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Gay With God podcast. I'm Midge Noble, your host, and I'm returning again by myself to give you a little snippet from the memoir and also to talk about something that's near and dear to my heart and I think that we all in the gay community struggle with, and that is we know that people can hear us, but are they really listening to us? This episode is inspired by the sermon I heard yesterday at the Episcopal Church of the Good Shepherd by Father Joe Mitchell, our rector, and he did an amazing job as always. This episode is going in a different direction than the sermon went, but um, the the whole concept of hearing and listening is something that bleeds over today from what I heard yesterday. So welcome back, and I hope that you'll enjoy this piece from my memoir, Gay with God, Reclaiming My Faith, Honoring My Story. It picks up at a time in my life when I finally knew that I was gay and Mary and I had decided that we would have a holy union. That was not just a decision that we made, but the only decision we could make because at that point, marriage equality had not happened. We could not legally get married. So sit back, get a beverage of your choice, and I hope you enjoy this selection. We chose to have our ceremony in the backyard of some dear friends in Greensboro, North Carolina. They were so happy for us that they planted 40 rainbow-colored mums alongside a path to the arbor. Marie had her minister's license, and she married us. It was such a beautiful and spiritual day filled with many loving friends. My dog, Danny, lay beside the arbor, and I traced her paw on the line as our witness. My father refused to come because he would not condone our love. Mama came, which was a surprise to me. Mary's dad and my brother walked us down the aisle, respectively. My sister refused to let our nephews come to the wedding and carry our rings because she didn't want them to witness our union. I disinvited her, but she showed up anyway. Her wanting to support me didn't ease the feeling of her disrespecting my wishes. This piece illuminates what I wanted to talk about today. I know you can hear us, but are you listening to us? So when we decided to have our whole union to begin with, it was awkward that we still could not marry in the eyes of the law because I had always been taught in the eyes of God that you need to have a union. Now, of course, there was all the discrimination that I thought was in the Bible about whether or not God accepted gay people, but I still felt like that was a part that was important to me, that I wanted to be committed in a way that made logical and legal sense to me. And even though it wasn't legal yet, back in 1995, we did have the Holy Union, and it was a sacred day. 
but it wasn't filled with people always listening to what we wanted. So as far as us having that and inviting people, when my sister did not want my nephews to come and be a part of the biggest day of my life, I was very upset and I had disinvited her. And the reason that I disinvited her was because if you don't believe that our love should be open and honest with everyone in the family, then I I don't want you there. I only wanted people at our Holy Union that really believed in our love, saw it as a gift from God and not something that was evil or damnable. I wanted people there that supported this marriage. And even though she supported my right to have this Holy Union, having that stance that one, her husband wasn't going to come and she didn't want the boys to be a part of it. She heard me that I don't want you to come, but she didn't listen to me. And in the middle of us being walked down to our seats at the arbor and I turn around and I see her coming down the driveway that she was coming to the union anyway, I had to bite, bite my tongue and I had to kind of pull it back in and act like what? Like I was fine when I really wasn't, but that was not the time or the place to have a big row. You know what I mean? So I had to just let it be. It, we were so surprised that my mother showed up. And when she did, she wore this t-shirt that had all of the rainbow colored buildings that are in San Francisco. I, I don't know if they call it Rainbow Alley or I, I'm not sure what they call it, but it's it's all the buildings that have all the colors that look like the rainbow on that street. And I made some off comment that, wow, you wore the San Francisco shirt. And she goes, what does that mean? And I told her what that was. And she got all freaked out. And she said, oh, my, do you think somebody's going to believe that I'm gay? And I'm like, it's highly unlikely. <laughs> But she got so nervous. So I that was kind of funny, too, that, you know, she did show up. I did know she was coming. I did know that my father was boycotting the Holy Union and would not be in attendance. And then Mary's mom showed up. And I'm calling her Mary because that's what I call her in the in the in the book. But um, for her own privacy, she wanted me to do that. But my beloved's mom showed up. And this was like a year after I had come out, it was about a year. And so she had this whole year to, to live her life without talking about us being gay. And so once we came out to her, she was like, I'll never speak of this to my friends. I don't want to tell anybody. Um, she loved me. She, she claimed her love for me and, and being a part of her family, but she was not going to speak about this. And she was really having a hard time with the religious aspect of it. And so when she showed up, I saw her walking down the driveway and I, turned to to my beloved and I said, your mama's coming. And she goes, yeah, good. I'm glad she's here. And I said, and she brought her friend, <laughs> Trish. <laughs> and she's like, what? And I, and I was so freaked out. Like, do you think that she knows what she's coming to? Do, did your mom tell her what this is that, you know, you and I will probably kiss openly at the end of this um, ceremony. And so we had to go out and kind of prep her. And, and we talked to her mom and she goes, well, of course she knows that you're gay. I told her. I'm like you did. And she goes, yeah, I told her. And, and I told, and she started rattling off all these people in her life, these friends that she has that she's told that we're gay. Now I don't care. 
that she was telling people that we were gay, but it would have been nice if she had told us that she was telling people because she had vowed herself to silence. So that showed me the growth from where she was and where she had been. And that's great. But, <laughs> but it was like all of these little people in our lives that were, you know, that either we had heard them say something, but they didn't think to tell us anything different. So we didn't think that she was really listening to what we were talking about as far as this is going to be our holy union. It's going to be like a marriage, but it's not legal, but we're still doing it. And it's just like a marriage as if it were legal. We just can't legalize it yet. Um, and it took years and years and years for that to happen in North Carolina. I mean, it, it kept being, you know, statues were written, things were banned, you couldn't do it. Um, they were not sanctioned at all to be okay. And it was it was a very long time before that actually became legal. And it's it's so sad that in in our country now, in 2023, we are still having to try to get people to listen to us. They hear us say we want rights. They hear us say that that God is not saying we're condemned in the Bible. If you would just study it and look deeper, those words were not the same words when Jesus was back preaching and teaching and talking to people. He was not condemning homosexuality. So people can hear us say that all day long, but they're not listening to us. And how do I know that they're not listening to us? Just take a little glimpse at what kind of laws were trying to be put into effect and what rights were taken away from us during a past presidency. There were so many scary um, amendments to everything that had been done uh, during President Obama's eight years in office. And they just kept being wiped away. People were losing their jobs. People were not allowed to have housing. People were not allowed to adopt children. And I'm talking about the LGBTQIA plus community were not allowed to adopt children in certain states. They were banning that and banning adoptions and, and fostering kids. Um, people are harassed when they try to get housing. We walk down the street hand in hand and we are maligned. We are not safe. We are sometimes killed. Um, so people are hearing us say that we do not have equal and equity rights in this country as gay people, but they're not listening. They're not thinking about who am I voting into office that is going to support and protect the gay community the marginalized communities, the black community, the brown communities, the Asian communities, the, the Native American communities. I'm not just talking from a gay perspective necessarily today. I'm talking about a people perspective where we all need to step up and recognize that we are not being listened to. We're being heard and we're being tuned out. And we need to have our rights solidified in this country, just like every white male. And I know that sounds sexist, and it is because it is. If you listen to any aware person, somebody that's really aware of where we've been in history and where we are now, this country does not value diversity. 
This country does not value women. It does not value the marginalized. It does not value diversity. It values the rich, the white, and the male. Do some other people have a lot of money? Yes. There are very rich black people. There are very rich women in this country. But that is like a very minimal amount of people. When you're actually looking at whether or not we have equity and equality in this country, we do not. And the equity is really beginning to emerge as a better word than equality, you know, because equity also means that if I, for, and this is a very, very infantile example for me, but, but let's say that you are six foot tall and you can see over a fence to watch a ball game. I am four foot tall. And you may allow me to have equal access to the fence to watch the game. But if I can't see over the fence, that's not really that that much of a great deal, is it? <laughs> Equity would mean that you would provide some sort of a step stool or some kind of a raised section so that I could also see over the fence to see the ball game. So equity means that you're looking at a person in conjunction to everybody else, and how can you help them to fairly participate in the world just like everybody else? So if there is a group of people that we are giving some rights to, but it's not equitable, it may not be the same thing. So you may be giving pay raises to a person that's marginalized, and everybody else is getting pay raises, but are they equitable? Are you, if, if you have a woman and a man in the same job doing the exact same thing, is my raise equitable according to somebody else's raise? Are we moving forward together or does that person get paid more? So therefore their raise is going to be more and I'm getting paid and I'm doing that job, but my, my payment is always less or my raises may not come as often or my raises may not come as much. And you said, well, you have to earn it. If you didn't earn it, you shouldn't get it. But yet, if you take two white men and they're going for the same job or they have the same kind of jobs in different sections of the company, their, their pay status and their ability to move up the ladder is way different than a woman's ability to do that. And this is just common knowledge. I'm not making this stuff up. I mean, you, you know, you know, if you, if you have looked at this at all, you know that women always get paid less. I can't say always, because I'm sure there are some women in some jobs somewhere. There's going to be one example, a couple examples, but overall women are paid less for doing the same job. Overall, marginalized people get paid less than their counterparts who are white. So in this country, we are hearing complaints. We are voicing our complaints. We are talking about our complaints. And it doesn't get listened to. You hear us, but you're not listening to us. You know, even in, in other countries, as bad as it gets in other countries, we're not unique in that. I mean, I know that 
other countries are far worse how they treat women. I understand that. But we can only help the corner of the world that we're in. <laughs> and I'm telling you, we're not doing so great. We're not doing so great on a lot of levels. And it's because nobody thinks that we need to change. It's worked this way for this long and we don't need to change it. But we do. We really do. And those people who are saying we don't need to change still believe in the sovereignty of the religious word. And yet the sovereignty of the religious word talks about feeding the, the hungry, taking care of your widows, taking care of the poor, being there. You know, children are supposed to be valued. None of that is happening. So we need to really start to organize ourselves a little bit better and be a little bit more willing to speak up, to sign petitions, to vote consciously. Who am I putting in office? I can complain all day, but if I'm not looking at who's on the ballot, if I'm not talking about what are their beliefs and what do they support, I can't complain about who gets into office. If I'm not doing my part, now I can complain that I did my part and they're still letting people in there that are going to undermine this country with their negativity and, and their sexism and racism. But on my part, the thing I can do is I can educate myself. I can educate myself to see what's happening in this country. Who are we putting on the ballot? Who are we voting into our parties that are going to be viable candidates for the presidency? How do we know what their stance is on race, on women, on the gay community, on the Native American lands? How am I going to know how to vote if I don't know who they are? And if I'm not taking the time to look and read and listen, see, I can hear them talking, but I can tune them out. I have to listen. I have to listen. And when I hear someone disrespecting a certain group of people, I have to be willing to speak up and say, I don't believe that. That's offensive to me. I, I don't understand why you would want to put them down that way. Because if I don't speak up, my silence is agreeing. And I know that's hard. It's scary and it's hard to be the one to speak up. And of course, I'm only advocating that you do this if you're really in a safe situation to be able to do it. And everybody has to understand what that is for them. But if I'm hearing people say something racist or bigoted, I I have this need to speak up and challenge that. I have this need to make it right. And and thankfully, I've been okay doing that so far. I just don't understand why we're still dealing with it in 2023 and why it sometimes seems it's almost a little bit worse as far as the violence part goes against, you know, some of our trans community and and women and I just don't understand. And of course, you know, all of the killings that are happening with our black friends and our black neighbors, it's just not, it's, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. So if we want to be listened to, we need to listen to who's speaking and we need to challenge that. We need to counteract that so that we can have a voice 
in this community that we live in, in this state that we live in, in the world that we live in. This is our United States of America. And I've not been proud always. And I I am nervous about what's coming next. But I have to decide whether I'm going to put my head in the sand and let it just keep rolling on until I'm not here anymore, or what am I going to do about it? When my beloved and I decided to do our Holy Union, we knew that it was not a popular decision among most of the people that would know us, and we didn't invite the people that we thought would not agree to come. When we also married later, many, many years later after the the Holy Union was done. When we got married, we really felt like our Holy Union was our sacred marriage. And it was very important to us to to claim that sort of as our as our big one. Even though the legal marriage was really important to us, we felt that we had made that sacred commitment back in 1995. So when we were finally able to marry in December of 2014, we only invited a few people, uh, just somebody. We went to the same blessed uh, friends that had us outside with all the mums, but this time it was raining. <laughs> and we had thankfully already decided to do it inside of a spirit house that they had. Um, and and we just had them and my beloved's mom and as a witness and a couple of our friends as witnesses. and um, And we just made it for us because it was legal and we wanted to have that legal right. Um, and it was just as sweet and it meant just as much as far as the marriage part goes, because getting legal uh, in our marriage meant the world to me. And knew, I knew that I would be protected more as a spouse uh, and during hospitals and, and all that. I That's what I wanted. I wanted to be able to say, I have a legal right to be here. Even if I had a power of attorney, um, having a marriage license gives you more clout in different areas of your life than if you don't have it. And so for for those reasons, I felt safer that I would never be denied access. And I would always have the right as a spouse to do for my beloved what needed to be done. And I, I could never be questioned about that. I could never have anybody pull rank over me because I was now the legal spouse. And so that happened in 2014. But there again, you see, you've got this whole situation of who is listening to us. And sometimes agencies don't listen to us. We we had we carry our our marriage license with us everywhere we go. We have one in the car, we have it on our phone <laughs> if we're ever challenged. Because we've had friends to be challenged about that before, that they had to prove that they were married. How many spouses have to prove how many how many straight spouses go to the hospital and have to whip out their marriage license to prove that they are actually the spouse of this person that they're bringing to the hospital and yet we did not not us personally but we as a community have had to do that and show show a marriage license and we were told by our friends who had to do that you know please carry it with you because just because you tell them you're married they're not going to believe it and that happened to them. And so we, we absolutely protect ourselves that way. But who, who should have to do that? In 2023, I have to pull out something on my phone or show my actual copy of my marriage license in order to make sure that I can go into the hospital to be with my beloved. 
It's just nuts. Now, I don't know if they would do that to us, but it has happened to our community. And so we need to be aware of it. So we have a long way to go. And as I wrote this memoir and I looked back at all the years that we've known each other and all the times that we've been together and we've been very fortunate. We've been very fortunate that we have not been targeted um, by a physical attack by anyone, but we're so careful. My beloved does not want to hold hands with me in public. My beloved does, doesn't get, you know, she gets a little squeamish if I start to hug her in public. I mean, she's very, very closed because she's been out longer than me and she has seen more violence toward gay people than I have. And so she's very aware that we're not really safe. We can sometimes feel safe, but we're really not safe. And so we have to be very careful. And I want that to change for us and for you. And as you're coming out, I want you to feel safe. But right now we just have to be careful. We just, you know, some people in some areas can can come out and be fine, but not everybody. So know where you live, know who you're voting for. Know what's going on in your community. Follow some somebody, whether if, if it's on TikTok or Instagram or Facebook or somewhere. Find a good, legitimate source that you can get accurate news and find out what's happening to the people in your neighborhood, your state, your community. And let's let's mobilize something. Let's get together wherever you are, wherever you can make an impact. Keep speaking. Let's keep speaking. Let's not quit until we're not just heard. We are listened to. So thank you again for listening, for subscribing and sharing wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to see more information and links to connect with me and stay tuned to all the memoir news, go to the Gay With God show page at empoweredmidge.podbean.com. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram. And if you are wanting to have updates for the book, make sure that you join uh, the Gay With God Facebook group. I do monthly meetings there called My Faith Journey. You can get the link for the Ask Me Anythings that are do- I'm doing every month to keep you updated on the memoir and also to, to read little snippets for you. So the Ask Me Anything next month in March is going to be March 9th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can find that link in the Gay With God Facebook group, and it's also going to be posted on my Facebook page. So those are a couple of places that you may want to hang out to stay in touch with me. And I really appreciate that. I appreciate you uh, supporting this podcast and supporting our community. And if you need support for yourself uh, to help you through your own coming out or faith journey process, go to the show page at empoweredmidge.podbean.com. Scroll all the way down to the bottom and see how you can connect with me to receive some coaching. So if you are listening to this podcast and you are questioning whether you can be gay and be in a relationship with the God of your understanding, if you identify as LGBTQIA+, or not even sure if you are gay, God has always been within you, even when you didn't know it. You have always been gay with God. Thank you, everybody. Stay tuned to see how you can join the Gay With God community. And don't forget to sign up to be a guest so that we can hear your beloved story. And I can't wait to share it. As always, 
You are loved. I want to invite you to become a part of the Gay With God community. How can you do that? Stay connected by messaging me your thoughts and comments in the comment section under the downloads of the show on the Gay With God show page. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen and share, share, share so we can increase our community outreach and be a light to those who are struggling to claim their faith. Consider being a sponsor so I can highlight your service in our community. We are all worthy of respect and a relationship with the God of our understanding. I want to thank you in advance for supporting this podcast. Together, we as a community will keep this show visible and our community stronger. Deep gratitude to my friend Tim McClendon of Tim McClendon Music for allowing me to use an excerpt from Interlude 4, a song found on his CD entitled Sundance.